0: This is The Danger Close Podcast. Beyond the books with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to The Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. My guest today is my friend, Andrew Arabito. Arabito is a former SEAL and the owner-operator of Half Face Blades. You may remember some of these knives from the pages of my novels. This is the Hunter Skinner right here. We did a limited edition run of these, and uh, you may also... Recognize this right here, the Carambito, that uh, comes from a very memorable scene in my first novel, uh, The List*. So uh, you can find him at Half Face Blades on Instagram. Also, his personal account is Spec Operator, and he has We KBD for We Kill Bad Dudes as well. And as I found out, he has something new in the works, and that is War Paw Wines. On, uh, on Instagram as well. So check all that out. And if you enjoyed the conversation, be sure to leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. So now without further ado, my friend, Andrew Arubito. Bro, Beto, dude, thank you for uh, jumping on with me today. I had to uh, to do a podcast just so we could hang out for like 45 minutes. Hour, you could always so. visit San
1: Diego, you know. I could
0: always visit San Diego, but uh yeah, I need to actually come out there. I'd love to go through the the shop again and see cuz I think you yeah. moved since I was last out there. You guys in a bigger spot? Did you guys expand? Yeah, but
1: we're in we're in 4200 square feet now and I've been looking for a new place uh for the last 3 months. So it's, we're we're full now.
0: Oh my gosh. So where did did you start garage and then move into that place that that I saw and then move into a bigger no, one? So was I like was fourth I was
1: under the awning in the backyard just under the awning. Uh-huh. Uh, and then i built a little you know 15 by 20 foot shop in my backyard originally after my awning and then from there i got to a 900 square foot space and 1900 square foot space and that's the one you saw me at okay like, then to 4200 and yeah. now we've grown out of this one so just the re- the real estate market is so hard commercial real estate here Nick Norris has been looking for three or four months another group is looking it's really we're just gonna have to actually go and be like Hey, would you be willing to sell? Because really,
0: so yeah. is, oh, you've been leasing up to this point, and now it's time to yeah. go into something, something maybe yeah. a little
1: bigger that you can grow into. Yeah, I'd like to do uh, maybe eight to ten thousand square feet, and then I don't want to. I don't want to rent. You know, at a dollar twenty-seven a square foot, I'm better off purchasing and paying. I'll pay fifteen hundred two thousand dollars less on a mortgage for yeah. a commercial mortgage versus renting.
0: Oh, totally. Yeah. That's the way to go. I'm thinking about the same type of things out here and park City's crazy. Cause so many people from California and so many people from New York are here. Yeah. Um, but same thing, like right now this is in the house. So at any moment, the kids could run in with a dog, like, <laughs> you know, it's just how it is. It's just, yeah. uh, it's just crazy, but it's probably time to get something a little, uh, more professional set up where there
1: you don't have to worry about. <laughs> you got it all set up. So nice in there though, you know,
0: thank you. I appreciate it. A <laughs> little movie magic, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, dude, so let's, uh, let's go back Back a little bit for people who don't know uh, who you are and uh, and what you do now. But um, what's uh, growing up uh, Northern California, and were you always into making blades, making weapons, knowing that you're going to go into the military? Where did all this Where did all this start for you?
1: Um, you know, I had a really really outdoors family. I grew up up in the northern part of Napa Valley, on the east side of Napa Valley, above St Helena, little town called anguin really tiny town. I was you know the poor smelly kid in school up there in Napa County. Uh, at least Napa Valley, you know, but, uh, I wasn't smelly I wasn't smelly. I mean, I spent, but you know, we just grew up in the woods. My two older brothers were really big into, uh, Native American living wilderness living, you know, primitive living. We would, we probably slept outside three or four months out of the year in our, you know, in lean twos and we were collect like mushrooms and, um, He'd learn to make snares and every little thing you can imagine you know uh, we had a neighbor named Cleve who had all these chickens and any animals that would try to eat his chickens he would shoot and he'd call us immediately he'd like hey, you want to come skin in it you know take this raccoon or this fox and skin it So we were you know we would my older brothers would take the brains and make the tanning solution and tan the hide with the brains and they were just digging into everything so I spent you know every day from when I could walk with them, you know, until I was seven, but, um, outdoors family, you know, everything, everything. I just grew up in that, that lifestyle and the outdoors. And especially with the native American, like my brothers just loved that, that the warrior culture of that and the primitive living of, of, uh, the history of the native Americans. So that is kind of my childhood growing up. Um, Where did they get into that? The, uh, the native American side of things. I I don't know. I think my mom and dad, like we didn't grow up in TV or anything like that. And I think, uh, my mom and dad just always pushed like here, national geographic books and, you know, native American primitive living stuff, I guess. And just, you know, just soaked it up and really loved it. We were going to be in the outdoors anyway. So, you know, learning to what plants are edible and everything to snaring, to making uh, own arrows and little bows to taking leaf spring with the old bench top grinders and, Making your own little knives with uh old leaf springs and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. We
0: have an R. H. Yeah. Ruana from uh Blade from the gosh, I'm gonna mess up the years here. Probably the thirties, I think, maybe wow. the forties. Yeah. And uh he made them out of leaf springs in Montana. Um, so I saw one up at uh at Bull Hill back in the day. Yeah. The guy, one of the guides had one up there and I was asking about it and he told me about it. I went home and it was early days of or earlier days of the internet anyway and i tracked one down and, and still have one that, so, that's cool but that was the first time yeah. i heard of somebody making them out of leaf springs hadn't that you know yeah that's up, not as good green
1: green now green. you used to be able to there was i forgot what specific vehicles like had them you know the long the leaf springs that were the best for the longest now i think it's like 5160 or something something yeah no,
0: there was a i think what did you make a studebakers or something like that back yeah. in the yeah something, something like along that those lines yeah. yeah no that was wow i love all that stuff but how did you so? Oh, uh, when your brother started teaching you how to, uh, like tan hides with brains, cause I was all into that growing up too, the Native yeah. American stuff. I was reading like Black Elk Speaks. And I was reading all survival yeah. books and I was doing all that sort of thing. Um, but I, and I always wanted to do the brain tanning as a yeah. kid, like in fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, but I never did it. And you guys did it. So how did they, I mean, did I, they get it in a book or did someone teach them book, that? And then they did it.
1: And right. In a book. We had so many books, you know, that they had. And I remember, uh, you know, I was pretty young, so my memory is is pretty shot since then. But, uh, you know, being out there, I, we were vegetarian, my mom and dad. Well, kind of. We like, my mom didn't cook meat, and my brothers were always like skinning raccoons and making jerky and always feeding me jerky growing up, like, hey, taste this. And then they'd take poison oak berries. They had read that take poison oak berries, make tea, you drink it, and then you become immune to poison oak, right? So they were doing that. It'd make me... You know, drink poison oak berry tea, and did I really work? don't, I don't really did get it to this day. You know, I, yeah. I rarely get a couple bumps here and there, and my friends get it really bad, you know. But, yeah. Um, yeah, something about that.
0: I remember they used to talk about giving uh, kids a little tiny, tiny piece of a leaf to eat. I've read that somewhere, I never yeah, did it. Slowly build their immune system, something like that. I remember reading that and thinking about doing it, but uh, I seem to be immune anyway because same thing, yeah. I'm running through those woods and uh, same thing, and and with people right next to me and definitely brushing up
1: against poison milk yeah. and everything. And, and I never know, got playing it. Playing with the dog, playing with the dog yeah, that's exactly. running around. And that but oil butch- gets on
0: the dog, all that yeah. stuff, yeah. and I never got it, but people around me well, would get it about, so bad. Well, they talk
1: about, too, if goats, you know, if you're drinking, we grew up, grew up uh, drinking goat milk. Our neighbors had goats and chickens, and hmm. I've heard that can help, too, because goats eat it. And if you drink their milk, that can help. Oh, interesting. But, But I mean, anyway, you know, uh, what was the questions?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So from there, so you're doing all this stuff you're making, learning a little bit about making some brains you're tanning. tanning, Yeah. tanning some brains. Do you remember the first thing you guys tanned with brains? Uh, like did it work? I guess is what I'm asking. Like, did did that actually work or did you just try it and not work very well? So
1: I don't remember if this is the time that we use the brains or not, but Kalib had shot a bear that was into his, a black bear that was into his stuff. And, we end up getting it, and the guys are tanning it, and left it soaking, and it hair all the hair ended up coming off, and just ruining the hide. So they were really fun. I don't remember if that was the time or not. <laughs> it could have well, it well could have been the time that we ruined it. You know, yeah, but, you know, we there's a there on the on the hill going up to our small town Angwin, there's a little mount, mountain called Glass Mountain, and it is just obsidian. The entire mountain is obsidian. You pull up on the side of the road, dig around in the in the on the ground and get chunks, you know, huge chunks of the zillion. So we grew up, you know, Tony and Joey were always out there with their, you know, get a big nail and leather and sit there and make all their own arrowheads as well. Okay. You know, and we grew up doing that. And We'd make the big arrowhead, you know, big scrapers and scrape the hide and get all the sinew off. And...
0: Dude,
1: that's awesome.
0: Yeah. And uh, were you hunting at this time also? Or when did the no, hunting come in?
1: No, you know, I, I really didn't hunt. I, I didn't hunt until I got out. Like the SEAL teams, you know.
0: Okay. You didn't do it in, uh, you didn't do the sniper sustainment trips back in the day? Yeah, I missed Bull Hill. I broke
1: my leg. I ended up missing it.
0: Oh, really? Were you supposed yeah. to go
1: once? Yeah. Oh, that's a good spot. I've been rough. up there a couple times since I got out, but we didn't
0: yeah. go oh, that's that's amazing. So when did you get, uh, when did you get the, the military bug or when did you know that that was going to be your
1: path? Um, I think sixth or seventh grade, somewhere in that time frame, my mom's cousin, Ethan, bought me like a Mark D. Liesel, workout book and he's like on the on the net cargo net, okay, climbing yeah, the yeah, net. Yeah. you know what i mean mark, it was it mark
0: De, mark divine
1: mark leasel mark d leasel okay he ended up uh he ended up uh being killed running a thin-skinned vehicle in palusia with a couple guys in like O two, 2 i believe um they hung him from the bridge and stuff mm-hmm. they got ambushed um but had that book and i was like oh man this looks cool you know everything and it was rad right it, you know, growing up being the outdoors all the time. And then obviously loving guns and knives and all that. And like, I don't remember my grandfather's in the military, but he was old by then. And so I didn't really have a lot of influence of cousins or anybody else. I really knew that was in the military, but it was just so attractive to me. You know what I mean? So seeing that book and then starting, you know, researching, okay, with special forces, what they do, Oh, they skydive, sneak into countries, hunt bad, kill, you know, bad people. Uh, all these amazing things you can learn and you have to be tough and do it. And he, with the Navy SEAL side, get to be in the water. And I was huge, you know, love the water. And I was like, as I got older into high school, you know, I was making sure I was running a lot and I was training and that was kind of an end goal. And then looking into it more, I was like, wow, you know, look where the bases are. Navy SEALs are special forces. I was like, Oh, that's a no brainer. Like, at the other <laughs> coast. you know, so that's, you know, that's primarily, I was like, all right, I want to do that. And you know i i plan to my senior year in high school i end up uh quitting my senior year moving to montana living on a ranch um and then coming back knocking out a few classes when, and became an emt and then right when i got my diploma i would already had signed up to go to buds
0: oh nice so what year was that 02. oh two Nice. so we're, we're on september 11th were you uh back in california or were you in montana i was in california
1: yeah i was working and
0: uh were you doing the emt stuff back then
1: yeah you know where where were you when that happened? I was working both. Uh, well, I'd gone through EMT course. I hadn't started doing any EMT at work yet. Just yeah. had gotten my certificate, and then I was working for the college up there. I remember. Well, I had a close, very close buddy. Uh, uh, I grew up with. Uh, later on, he 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 joined the SEAL teams a year before me, Derek Benson. So our families were really close friends. I remember, you know, playing red light, green light as a little kid with him, yeah. playing in the woods with him. So he had joined one year before me cause I'd quit my senior year. So I was like, Oh, you mother, like you got in <laughs> right here. that hit. And I was like, I'm coming, man. Was that, yeah. you were already on that path or were you like
0: September? 11th I was happened, already, I was in. already, I was already planning on it. Okay. okay. So you're going was, in.
1: Yeah. And then you go through buds in 2002. Yeah. So, uh, 2003 going through buds, yeah. uh, knocked it all five. out. Yeah, I went over to team five, early Oh four. Okay. And then, uh, we had, uh,
0: we had some mutual friends there. You got to, you got to come in as a new guy with some of the dudes that I was, yeah. uh, running with a, a couple of years earlier yeah. there at team five, we had the uh, Kevin Kent and company and that whole, whole crew yeah. and you had a solid platoon there. Like you came yeah, in, you had some heavy hitters
1: to say the least. Yeah.
0: You had some heavy hitters in there. Some really yep. awesome, awesome Tommy. guys. And, uh, so you came across that quarter deck and got to, into that, that first platoon. What was your, what was your intro to that crew?
1: Um, well, initially we were like, Hey, we're going to be the mobility unit for coming in a little late to those, to that platoon. And then really it was like, all right, well, this is done. Let's just bring the guys into the platoon. Um, you know, two weeks after checking in, they were like, Hey, you're going to tier one driving school out of Reno. And there was a group of maybe six or seven, maybe seven of us new guys coming in. And then there was, uh, you know, four or five other old guys had been, been there senior chief Henry, He went with us and, you know, two weeks after coming in is when we had the rollover and it rolled over fits. And, you know, I find myself on the side of the Hill, like, Hey, trying to resuscitate him for 45, 50 minutes. And that was like, it was like me and uh, Jeff Nichols um, trying to resuscitate him. Obviously it, it didn't uh, come back from that, but it was like, you know, Realities here yeah. and that's what we signed up for you know it di- i didn't go like oh my god i can't believe this is happening i was like this is what we signed up for we're going to train hard we're going to work hard like i i expect there's going to be some some uh hard hits you know being in the seal teams and it was like as sad as it is it was like a, a good little eye-opening kickstart into the seal teams of taking shit more seriously you know oh,
0: so sad and then from from there did you guys uh what, what happened from there? you guys move on and just, just jump ser- into the platoon? I say more seriously,
1: did. but yeah, we hopped in the platoon and the gets guys an island, were- Gets
0: all those, start yeah. going through the whole workup, get ready to yeah. rock. And then, uh, then, and then go got oh, really? and we got disbanded.
1: Oh, really? We got disbanded. Okay.
0: I remember this now. Yeah. yeah.
1: So when they, we got disbanded, Will Spencer took over as LPO, you know, Dana, Dana you know, Dana and uh, as the OIC. So new platoon, went through everything again and then deployed with team seven as a team five platoon to add it. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. It was a good deployment. We did, you know, the first part was that doing PSD for the vice president and stuff like that first few months and then got to do DAs out of biop and then kicked up to like Talifar area and did stuff out of there. Got it.
0: And what did you think of doing PSD as a, as a, as a new guy? Were you like, you excited to be there or are you like, oh man, this is, I mean, you just hear all the
1: stories deal. about going on missions. You know what I mean? And we'd go on a few in between, but yeah, but I was the first couple of months. I was the lead driver for him, which I really enjoyed driving. And I got to go to, you know, ITI three or four times and all these other cool, you know, tees and all these cool driving schools. You know what I mean? And that's pretty sweet.
0: That's like one of the funnest stuff that we do in the teams, I think, is the driving stuff. Yeah. I mean, my, my favorite you don't trip realize is Kodiak. You? But uh but I love going to Kodiak. I love doing that. But the favorite, my favorite like like just fun type trip is, uh, we're driving schools and I, yeah. I did two of them, but some guys got to go to so many driving schools. Yeah. Like, uh, O'Neill's. Yeah, it that seems to be, did you go to O'Neill racing? I, I, I didn't get out there, oh, man. I didn't get out there either. I and I totally want to go and, uh, yeah, I need to get out there. I still want to go because rally, it's rally racing yeah. and, uh, but with like a, a military security, executive protection, and then Bondurant. Know, that sort of Bondurant and there's so many great schools out there, probably yeah. more now. But, uh, but O'Neill racing I always had that allure because rally racers are just, they have to be some of the best drivers in the world. Cause you're yeah, driving on yeah. so many different roads, so much different terrain you're navigating yeah. at such crazy speeds. Um, so I always wanted to go out there and, and do that course. So I will get out there to maybe for some
1: book You, you research, don't realize, you now. know, you go to all these amazing schools, right. And the SEAL teams and like, they're like oh, career development, you've come up with a school, lead climbing schools, you know, it, it's insane. I, I have like free running school, stuff like parkour school and, all sorts of stuff and I you know you get out and you're like oh man that'd be a fun school to go to and you go look at the price tag you're like <laughs> oh my god like, yeah like wow if you when you have to pay for these things yourself you're like blown away you know what I mean and it makes you so appreciative the insane amount of certificates you go through when you looking through your stuff and how much experience you your seal teams has given you
0: yeah. Oh yeah. No, that, that taxpayer funded training is, uh, is legit. Pays <laughs> off. It pays off.
1: We use it. You know?
0: Yeah, no, it's good stuff. But yeah, that's a, that's a fun one on Neil racing. I'm going to get out there for sure at some point for some book research. Uh, I think, uh, yeah. bring the family, you know, I'm going to bring the yeah. family out there too. Cause it's just such a, such a blast, uh, cool. such a great time. But, uh, so then you get back and you do uh, what, you get to jump in another platoon.
1: Yeah. Did another platoon Southeast Asia, um, uh, you know, Guam, and then, uh, Philippines and Indonesia. Oh nice. Cool. Did you go to
0: an outstation in PI? Did you go to the southern uh, We chain? were
1: in, we uh I we dropped by like ho, Holo and there's Tawi-Tawi I didn't get down yeah. there and then was in Palawan for a little while and then went up to outside of Bitung in Indonesia, tiny little spot wow. way out in the middle of nowhere, absolutely incredible little place teaching nice. some people up there and you know diving in the ocean every day. We stayed at a little dive resort in the middle of nowhere, eating fresh fish and teaching some locals. You know, it's pretty amazing. Oh, nice. Once again, taxpayer funded. You, know, yeah. you want to go back? you want to take that flight today? That's, that's pretty pricey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I can, you know, it's cool. Since I've gotten out, I've, you know, hopped on Google Earth and it's such an amazing thing and gone back and looked at the places I was around the world. Nice. Either deployed, whether it's Talafar and finding the little castle in the middle of the city, finding where I was doing sniper ops, you know, like oh, wow. trying to find buildings where I was at overseas and even <laughs> zooming in and finding that little tiny That little tiny dive resort in the middle of nowhere and then you just zoom out and you realize like your travels have been great you know what i mean and you can find these cool places i mean you go to iraq and find you know or afghanistan where i was and find our little tiny base and then find the mountain where we did overwatch and find the areas where i was shooting at people with guns and you can find these places and it's so cool man yeah
0: well, I know what I'm doing the rest of the afternoon now. shoot it'll blow your mind. I have not done that. Usually I'm zooming in on places where I haven't been, especially as an <laughs> author, you know, trying to like yeah. put together like distances and is this going to work and then going to Street yeah. view and like trying to piece all that together. But yeah. I haven't really gone back to places that I've already been and and uh, and gone through it again. It's so pretty I, cool, man. Yeah. I guess I'm not getting any writing done the rest of the day. I'm just going to do uh, some <laughs> research on on Google Earth. God, that's amazing. Um, and then, uh, then so is the next one Afghanistan. Then is the next uh... yeah.
1: So from there, I went over to uh, Team One, uh, checked in with Dan DL, and um, I guess I can say his name Dan Luna. Um, I checked Instagram in with him. Account. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna. That's that's always my public. check. I'm
0: like, do they have a public Instagram account? Yeah, I always
1: okay. I always start saying names, and I'm like, okay, no, yes. okay, <laughs> right. Uh, he's, he's public. Um, checked with him uh, to go to Afghanistan. And that was, you know, one of the greatest platoons I've ever had. The best platoon I've had, man. Good people, good leadership, you know, with, with Dan. And uh got to go to the dance stand. got to go to, you know, Indian country. Is that, were you doing a lot of the uh,
0: sniper stuff out there? or Where were all the pictures? Was, everything,
1: taking? everything, man. A lot of it was, uh, you know, went into Kandahar, did ops out of there. And then small small contingent of group of us went up to, uh, like Anaconda and was just doing, uh, raids up there and, and finding, you know, medium value targets and bomb builders and just going to the areas that were full, fully Taliban controlled and, and picking fights and disrupting and then working with the local, local people as well. What are you doing in those those
0: pictures that you post every now and again that, uh, you got the Mohawk going, you got your face painted. Yeah. Just, got, just uh, doing, picking fights, man. Is that Afghanistan or were those Iraq yeah, too? That's Afghanistan. That's Afghanistan.
1: Well, we were so far out there, you know, it really was, it was just us. It's not like we were near a big base and it was like a tiny little fob, you know what I mean? So it was okay. Once we, you know, we're done there and we were flying back, we all cut our hair. <laughs> somewhat my beard was up. short enough that i didn't need to cut it you know, it was bad enough <laughs> it was probably in rags and still Blanchy had hair enough. on my face yeah <laughs> you know but that yeah, was afghanistan was amazing
0: oh man and were you working with any army units out there or was it just you guys uh no it was fifth know, group fifth afraid? group
1: fifth group guys there's probably uh maybe t- 10 of us in that group and maybe 15 fifth group guys and i believe seventh group was took over for them as well we worked a little bit of seventh group guys
0: and when you're thinking back on those deployments of that time in, in Afghanistan, uh, is your plan at that point to, to stay in and keep crushing or what are you, what are you thinking about what you're doing up there? Are you thinking about things, uh, like, Hey, what are we still doing here after all this time? Are you thinking about that next target or are you at, what are you thinking about when you're out there
1: getting after it? planning missions? Um, just next target. Hey, when can we go out the next? And if I can stack more bodies than my friends, <laughs> you know I mean? it's competition based.
0: <laughs> Competition based. Uh, man. And so at that point, are you thinking you're staying in? Like, this is what you love to do?
1: Yeah, you know, uh, that three platoons deep, and that was such a good platoon. Um, I figured I'd do an LPO, sl- LPO slot. I kind of got, you know, pushed back on that. So I, when I came back from that, I went to uh, uh Trade at and ran Mar Ops there. So from there, then I was going to do an LPO slot, but I ended up catching up on surgeries. I had broken my nose a few times and fly fell off a roof in Afghanistan and, and broke my nose again. So did that surgery, I ended up breaking a bunch of my fingers in training, all my fingers in training. And that was a pretty significant surgery. And that was about nine, 10 months before the end of my EOS. So they're like, Hey, you want to do LPO slot? So I was slotted to go do an LPO. And then that happened. And I was like, man, like, caught up. What happened my to my your fingers? Surgery. Oh, I was, I was running at uh, 12 dudes, um, doing BBSS. And I had, uh, Black Hawk came down, you know, Seahawk, whatever they call them cruising along. I went out held the ladder for the first five guys up the ladder, went back through the doorway, turned around and, um, they hadn't cleared the ladder and they were starting to move. So I stepped through the the main ship hatch opens outwards. I stepped through it. I was going to clear the ladder. And I just, you know, as I'm running and everything, I'm like, I just count my guys over and over again to make sure we're all good. So I turned, I counted my guys. I turned back and it never had latched that oh. whole ship door. So the wind from the Blackhawk got behind that, and it was 20, oh. you know twenty feet in the air, and it was slamming on me. And I put my hand against the wall and yanked my leg out of the door, you know, because you have to step through. And I caught all my fingers on the in him side inside, dude. And so I was, it was nuts. So I was wearing these gloves this guy has given me. They're from Neptech, I believe. Huh. Um, and they were Kevlar reinforced on this side, not this side, or the, the palm was Kevlar layers and they're small enough. You can faster, you can fast up. They're small enough. You okay. can still manipulate your gun safety. So I still yeah. had them on. So I just took a knee and I was like, Oh, you mother. And I was like, you know, it bounced, it bounced back open, but it's a, you know, it's a, probably a 400 pound yeah. steel ship hatch, probably shutting at 30 miles an hour. Dude, you know, I'm surprised you didn't like take them off. Oh man. Cause it's, it's, it's watertight. You know, it's a sealed yeah. door. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those I have like, been on
0: ships before or even seen a picture oh of in a movie. Like that's that's serious. It's not like slamming your hand in the uh, like a wooden no. door inside your house. No, no. They, oh.
1: and they, they have a name for the other hatches. Like that's the main ship hatch, the big door. The other hatches that open up, you know, that fall, they call it hatch hand. Like it happens all the time on ships where those hatches <laughs> fall onto somebody's hand and just crush their fingers. But this was like the main ship hatch. So I took the glove off. And the back side was, you know, every finger was broken, cut, and the meat ripped down. And then on the front side, it was all split. The pressure had split it, but it didn't cut my tendons on this side. So I still got, still had flexion. Damn. So it was just a miserable surgery. And it was like, you know, metal in all different directions in my fingers. And I lost, oh. you know, tendons. Tendons on the back side couldn't do tendon grafts, so I can't straighten them. So they're, I just, you know, Damn. I have an ugly hand here. But is I got it, all my strength back and all my flexion. Yeah. The, you know, is there all. metal still in there? Do they, are they, are they is there no, something reinforced in there? they took it all out. Took it all out. Dang, dude.
0: And that was, was uh, miserable. Oh, yeah, that doesn't sound good. And so from there, you're, uh, so is, is that what you decide
1: to to move on or what? I, you know, I, that, that happened like March, March-ish. My EOS was November and I was just like th- doing therapy That during that time. I had so much time off. Um, uh, the Master Chief time was like, yo, just do your therapy, make your own schedule, just check in with me. So I was doing that that whole time. During that time frame, I went to, you know, put myself to distilling schools and stuff like that. And like, just tried to get myself career development for when I got out and I want to do other things. Um, I was just kind of burned out a little bit with catching up on a few surgeries. My hand, um, ISIS hadn't kicked off yet. I think had ISIS kicked off, then I would have been like, hey, come do an LPO slot. Let's go back to Iraq. I yeah. probably would have done it but it was right. just such a lull in, yeah. in war. And, um, you know, in my, in my 10 year mark. Right. I was like, you know, I just, i they were like, Hey, you're going to get hundred percent disability. You could do a med board. When you get out, go back to your med board, get your full retirement, med retirement and stuff. So I was like, all right, that, that sounds like a good idea. I'm at 10 years, halfway through. Um, I think I made a smart decision. You know what I mean? Some people ask like, Oh, you know, looking back, like you're saying, would you have stayed in? You know, it's such a, such a hard thing to save. like, you know, had I gone down my L pillar slot, maybe I would have shot in the head. You yeah. don't know, you know, fighting. So it's like
0: yeah.
1: at that time period of my life, you know, it was the smartest decision, especially I was 30 years old. I can start a whole nother, I could go back to school. I can I have so much time left that I can start another career, you know, before I even hit 40. Yeah. Oh. So I think it was a smart decision in my part. Yeah. You know, no, and it I was like a good solid my, run. Yeah. It was good, man. Three, three, you know, two really good deployments, a Southeast age deployment. Um, I got to see it all and be with the best dudes and made that decision to punch out and start working on other things in my life. And you know, I, of course I see my buddies, like the guys, you know, pushing through Mosul and I'm like, Oh, without me, come on. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> of course, of course I want to go on vacation with the boys, you know, evil, you know, but it is what it is. And I, I, I don't regret it because you just don't know what would have happened i not be here today.
0: And how do you, how do you break your nose falling off a roof? Uh, it oh, seems man. like there's other things that would break first. What's, uh? Well, how did that work out?
1: I mean, I broke my nose multiple times, whether fighting or in the gym fighting or whatever it is, you know, multiple times. And then that time I was putting, you know, I was putting quarter blocks of uh, uh, C4 into the wall to, we're in a firefight to blow little fucking gun ports. And um mm-hmm. uh, I was, on the inside of the building, but you know the roof goes up, it's a flat roof, then there's the wall, and I had turned, cracked it off, and I don't know, I don't I, to this day i'm like I, I find myself like halfway conscious like falling forward off the others if I had I turn this way off the roof and have my gun in my hand, and I'm like in my mind I'm like if I run, I could hit the ground running and run out of this. You know, but I'm too much of an angle falling, <laughs> so I just hit the ground. My, you know, my weapon hits the ground, pulls my arms back, so I can't catch myself, and I just hit this pile of logs, like oh. saplings, right into my face, and like split my lip, cut my nose, broke my nose again, and I, I wake up, and Brad Camner's like, wake up, and he's kind of kicking me, and he's standing, he's like kicking me and standing back, and I was like, what? Like, oh man, you know, I just came off that roof, and he's like, you're right, and I was like, yeah. And uh, I was like, you won't come close to me and I can't figure out why. And I was like, oh, my back. Dude, I think I've like, been shot or something. And I'm like, I reached back and my my gear and my shirt had slid up. And they have, you've seen the bees in the walls there in Afghanistan are so big, okay. huge bees. They look like bumblebees. They all just had sworn to me and attacked me after getting blown off that roof and just stung my whole lower back. So no one wanted to come wake me up. <laughs> I was just knocked out there for a minute. It was funny, man. I was like, oh, I'm fine. It's just, you know, beasting. So,
0: Dude. And so do you stay out there then? Are you an out? Oh, yeah. Are you, are you out doing the like a multi yeah, multi-day all, type thing? Yeah, we're in thing? the middle
1: of it. We're getting shot at. You know, it was good, man. I just, it's a broken nose. What do you do? I'd like split my lip. I pushed my two front teeth back a little bit.
0: Dang, dude.
1: And when I, you know what? When I came back and like tried to go, I had no surgery. Then I tried to go get like Invisalign or something like that. They're like, no, that's cosmetic. I was like, oh, Cool. I don't
0: even know what that is, but oh man, cosmetic so, like Invisalign. I just
1: Invisalign is like the clear ones to help straighten your teeth, you know. Okay. And I was like, I had my nose surgery to fix that, and I asked to get like to fix my teeth from getting knocked back, and they were like, "Oh, that's just for looks, you know." Wouldn't pay for so I I paid out of pocket, you know. Let's get that done, but oh,
0: it's so weird that they do something because mine they they uh from boxing the fur the front teeth died. And so they turned oh. like, they were turning over years. Wow. I mean, we're talking about from like <laughs> high school onward um, yeah. and they died. And so they, or the nerves going to them died. And so they t- were turning like this total, like blackish gray. by two <laughs> And, uh, and just eventually, I think they maybe were like, that really needs fixing. Cause they did it. <laughs> Even that sounds cosmetic though. You know, so I don't know why they'd say. They did that when no they became no an you. officer. Yeah, man, they, they don't, don't care. care. Yeah, no, like, that's oh. true.
1: <laughs> You're going to be an officer. Let's get those pearly whites back.
0: That's true. It was after I was an officer at Team Two. <laughs> They're like, we need to fix you right now. Yeah. So, so they put in two uh, two new ones in here. They be coming. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's important stuff right there. Yeah. But uh, but man, so you guys stay in the fight. You do that one. Yeah. You stay there for that that deployment. What else? Uh, um, like, what were you using? What rifle were you on at the time? Well,
1: I was. I think I was running that scar heavy that I ended up just absolutely hating. The first gen of those was just so bad. I was going you know, ask you about that. It wasn't I've seen pictures of you with it. Man, it was deadly accurate. You know, yeah. they, they gave you like a longer barrel and a short barrel, a 16 to 18 inch barrel. I just ran the 16 inch barrel. Absolutely accurate. You know, seven 800 yards. It was amazing. Yeah. But if you didn't have the butt stuck against your shoulder, it wouldn't cycle another round. It'd come back uh-huh. and pick up a round and didn't have enough to drive it in. Okay. In the chamber. If you had it against your shoulder, you were okay. You know what I mean? So it wasn't even a gas issue. They ended up, I think, making the bolt lighter and doing some shit like that and actually fixing it down the road. But yeah. I, I remember, you know, our little base up there got attacked six, seven, eight times. And we had one spot, we, you know, divide guys up with one little spot. And I'm over the wall, looking through the wall, you know, part of the wall with my knots because I want to put my bean over the top. You know, we're taking rounds and I'm shooting at another compound, a small building a couple hundred yards away. Look when my laser shooting through the window. And it was just like boom, jack another round. Shoot. Uh-huh. Jack. Another round. And I just threw it, end up throwing it on the inside the compound. And Brad gave me his. Brad's ran a little better than mine. But after that, we just end up switching over and just running my my AR. And then when we did sniper overwatch, I'd run that TAC 50. Oh, nice. Which is, you know, it used to be I used to not like to shoot it until I got yeah. to shoot it overseas uh-huh. at things. And I was like, yo, this I'm okay to carry the weight. A lot of fun. <laughs>
0: And it was, was it the same one that, uh, that we'd always had? Is it the, uh, the put McMillan. together at crane, but McMillan stock, yeah. uh, Remington yep. 700 action. Um, yeah. man, yeah, that thing's legit. I need to get three or Win,
1: Win mag was awesome. And then that Tac 50 was just a, I think it was like 24 pounds without yeah. rounds. Yeah. Yeah. That awesome. thing was serious. Yeah. But it was, it was <laughs>
0: rad. And that 300, was it the same one that, that I used also Is it yeah. the same McMillan yep. stock? jumping yep. out of action all that oh man yep. Do they use the same one now have you kept in touch with the uh, with people in the sniper cell and that sort of thing um, they because as i was getting out i thought i saw like right as i was getting out i, I thought i was seeing like some accuracy international accuracy, stuff yeah in there's and,
1: both i know they yeah. have some accuracy internationals they look more like high tech the stocks yeah you know you no know cool. guys they love their their mcmillan and then i know you know some of the guys they have that 300 prc i know they mess with the 338. that 300 prc is amazing i got oh, yeah. one did you get one Yeah. Well, Christiansen Arms is building me
0: one. Oh, nice. Nice. I need to get one of those too. That's, uh, that's legit. I need to get one of those. That's what a sweet, uh, what a sweet round that is. Man. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and so we're mostly, were you guys the first to deploy with a SCAR or some of the first? We
1: may, I think we were, I think maybe we're the second platoon too. Something like that.
0: Did they give it to you for a nylon
1: workup or did they just hand it to you as you are going out the door type thing? I'm pretty sure we got gone right before we went out the door. Wow. So not even running them through, through an Island first. And then we hit up the guys out East and they were like, yo, those suck. And they're like, wow, wow. That's what we got.
0: I think yeah, people's experience with the, or for people's first experience experience with the scar is what they carry with them.
1: Like with anything else in life,
0: you know, you have a bad well, experience oh, with yeah. it, especially something like that that your life is depending on and yeah. your buddies to your right and left are depending on, and you have a bad experience you're done. Never touching 100%. it again type thing.
1: I, no joke. Like in a firefight, one round at a time, I was able to shoot. Luckily I'm on a, you know, uh, not an exposed position. And it's not like, you know, right around the corner I'm behind a wall and I'm going to shoot over a wall. But I'm like, well, yeah, I tell you the worst possible timing. It really makes you upset.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. I've never seen a guy into my
1: hands deploying. Like I know the backstory and there's some stuff why we got it. And other people said it's bad in our own group and our own seal teams, you know, like this isn't good. We tested it. And then, Hey, someone got Hey Bito, try this out. A little, a little deal. <laughs> interesting. Oh, oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. It was a little that's... bit of a uh yeah.
0: interesting. We will talk about that offline sometime. Get some more backstory on
1: that. I'll fictionalize yeah. it and weave it into a <laughs> weave it into Perfect. a novel. <laughs> the way guys go and they get when they're in charge of the new gear or guns and they get mm. something on yeah. from a company to say, yeah, they're good. Interesting. Oh man and did did so did everybody on that
0: pretty much everybody in your uh, platoon or troop uh, discard those at some point throughout deployment and go back to m fours I believe so yeah I remember hearing um, those stories um, but uh yeah, that's wild they man. were they were
1: a- accurate, very accurate. they could shoot the distance. you know I had like a, I don't know, a five and a half by fifteen by twenty two or something on their night force mm-hmm. you know but
0: and that's legit. Yeah, I remember a, a firefight in Baghdad in 2006 where uh, it was just insanity. I remember seeing a guy just put the M4 up over the top of the wall just like that and yeah. would, you know just get after it.
1: But it yeah, the whole uh, I mean the whole, you know, point shoot absolutely, but I mean you're trying to find every opportunity to keep yourself safe and fire it back. No one's yeah. popping up. You're not two dudes aren't popping up over the wall with their head. You know what I mean? Like that's just ridiculous. I'd rather sit and take fire over that wall and figure out another way, blow those holes in the wall, then to put your yeah. bean. that's the greatest target in the world for them.
0: Yeah. That was, a, that was death blossom time too, when you're working with the uh, indigenous forces and something <laughs> happens and hits that, uh, we call it brrr, the death blossom just goes oh, out. Shoot out. It's awesome yeah. to see. It's crazy to see. Oh man, that's yeah. so wild. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so that deployment was at, uh, was that kind of the most memorable part of that deployment was getting blown off the roof and taking those. I mean, those it conditions? was, it was such
1: a good deployment, man. We had, yeah. you know, taken RPGs 20 feet behind our 47s coming into target. We did some ops, of like 11,000 feet in the snow. That was oh, really wow. cool. Um, it was just, a, it was just good, man. It was, it was cool. Oh, man. It was, you know, half that reason is who you're, it's yeah, who you're it, with. Yeah. Like if you have a good deployment and you're with crappy people, it's probably not a good deployment. unless even then even if there's a bunch of missions but you're with crappy operators Mm. you're not having fun
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah. oh man and that's why we're there you know do that job and you're out there
1: doing it right there that's
0: yeah it's a good time what uh and throughout this whole time are you are you crafting any blades for people or how when does that come into play
1: it wasn't man you know i i uh when i got out um I was, you know, I was doing a little brewery distillery stuff, and then... And what's I was distillery working... school like, by the way? Are you, so you're, you're still in, you got a few
0: months left, and you're going to a school?
1: Yeah, yeah I went to a you know, couple weeks school here, a couple weeks school there, just learning how distilling, and I read everything about it, and how to do it, which was really cool. It interested me to do a distillery afterwards. Okay. So when I got out, I partnered with another team guy at a brewery and distillery, and then ended up finding out uh, team guys aren't all trustworthy, and a lot of them are dishonest cowards and that that guy so, went away and i stepped away from that um, venture. during that time frame i was working on movie stuff you know doing working on transformers and worked with michael bay on a lot of a lot of his stuff yeah what was well. your first
0: one um and, and and you're still not doing the knives yet you're still getting ready to not go out, yet, and you're jumping in yeah. your first one is transformers
1: no, uh, you know, I think the first thing, I did voiceover work for Transformers 3.
0: Oh, no way. And that's okay. when I met
1: Michael. And then from there, there was other team guys working on the other ones. You know what yeah. I mean? So Is that how you got it was, into it? Because team guys were already working on those other yeah. ones, and then yeah. they needed some voiceover work,
0: and yeah. they said, hey, for call three. this guy?
1: Yeah, and then, you know, Harry Humphreys was the old, old school frog man yeah. in Vietnam, and he had been up there in the, in the industry, and especially worked for Michael, and so he was pulling guys in, into the industry. Um, so that's, that's, that was my intro. And then I did, you know, Transformers 4 with Michael, Turtles, uh, Transformers 5. And then I wanted really to learn more of the stunt side of it. And I would met a guy, Garrett Warren, who's a stunt director, first unit director up there in LA, absolutely incredible man, and got to know him really well. And he pulled me in to do Turtles as well as on Transformers 5. I did more stunts than anything else. Okay. I didn't do the big high-level ones. I'm not a stuntman, like little, little ones. Okay. Okay. Um, and then did thirteen hours with Michael Benghazi movie, which was great. That was really it was an honor to work on that. You know, crazy enough too working on that is you know, I I stunt doubled the main actor who played Ty, and Ty's was my class proctor and gave me my trident, pinned me first. Amazing, it's really interesting, crazy wow. world. You know what I mean? Small world. And are you in? Are you in? that get thrown off the roof in that too, right? Don't you like- yeah. So me and so we played the Delta guys, me and another team guy Kenny, and we threw the bodies off the roof and part of that was like we didn't want anybody else even though they're fake bodies like we were like hey michael you know we'd like to do that role and handle the fake bodies because we understand the heartache and the respect in it and he was like absolutely you know what i mean so we're the only ones who handled that that part of it
0: man i went to see uh uh 13 hours up in la um like a private screening type thing and that was the only movie of all these movies that have come out over the years. That was the only one that made me for half a second want to get back in and get after it for whatever yeah. reason. I don't I can't explain why. I think it's because I had such a great experience working um, with uh, other government agencies for a certain portion of my time in Iraq. And it was just such a, an incredible time to be there at the height of the war doing that those missions. Yeah. And then to have that little bit of a tie in there with 13 hours, I think that's yeah. probably why. But uh, for whatever reason... Uh, that's the one of all the military movies that have come out over the past, uh, you know, well, since I've been, been out here, um, that's the one that I was like, oh man, made me miss yeah, it for half a second. A I'm like, snap vengeance. out of it,
1: you know, snap out of it, get back to writing. <laughs> Let the young, you know? young Exactly. You passed the torch. Now. <laughs> yeah. They
0: know what they're doing. They're doing just yeah. fine without you. Um, but you yeah. guys did an amazing job. So that was, that was good.
1: Yeah, it was, that was pretty amazing, man. Really blessed to be able to do that. And then from there around that time frame, actually, I think before, I had him and I started doing the knives before that because I had, we had knives on us in the movie. We oh, that you made. Knives. Nice. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's awesome.
1: So what did you start before with? Before that. Did you start with the, with the crow or what did you? Seri- series one. Boom. You may not have one. That series two is a, That's a series two right two. there. Yeah. Yep. Man, that thing's awesome. Series one, you know, and I just, it's a pretty simple, straightforward, kind of all around outdoor camp knife. I numbered the 50. I just took pictures of my learning process. And started an Instagram, you know, just to show pictures of what I'm learning. Yeah. You know what I mean? I I had my grinder and steel and my research grinders, research steel, you know, um, I didn't want to do Damascus for the reason did not want to pound out the steel, not because laziness, you know, Damascus isn't the best steel out there. And it is what it is like the metallurgy of powdered steels is makes them. Makes it better. Like you can get super steels from that, whether it's, you know, S35 or S30, or you go into Nitro and, you know, all these different steels. Like the best steels are from powdered steels and where you get your corrosion resistance and your edge retention, all these things. And as pretty as Damascus is and that process, that fun, it's much more of a hobby. Right. If you're the only one doing it, right. You could do a couple of you in a shot, but I wanted to, you know, as expensive the knives are for the custom side, I also wanted to give something to to whether you're a chef or an outdoorsman or in the SEAL teams or, or any military or a law enforcement guy, I want you to have a good knife. It's super good steel. It's crafted. Well, you know, that, that'll work for you. Yeah. And I knew that it's just selling Damascus or forging. you know, If if we just forged knives, then I, my cheapest knife would be a thousand bucks. You know right. what I mean? That's, is, and it wouldn't be as good as the steel we use from crucible steel. Got it. So, you know, um, started doing those 50. And by the time I was finishing the 50 and I put pictures out, people had already wanted all of them. So I just had a little plastic table in my living room and you know, uh, with the name and the phone number and email and the knife sitting there until I finished it. Yeah, it was that so is cool. awesome. And did you call it half face blades right out of the gate? Yeah. So I called it half face in the first, you know, originally I was going to do a different half face per design. Mm-hmm. And I realized after the fourth, after wow. the fourth half face, yeah, I was like, this is, you know, so I stuck with the, with the uh, yep. half face India, you know, but yep. the first one is a half of a lion. For those that Lions can't face, see it, the first so there it is empty. right
0: there. If you can see it there. And then yep. over there, if you can see it right there, but it's, it's I mean, it's awesome. I mean, and what did that come from? Where did half face come from? Did you get that right out of the, like, as you're starting, do you know, this is what you want to, you're going to call it, or you start to make the knives first, and then you, then it kind of develops. From there? I,
1: I was probably making the knives first, you know what I mean? and I. You know, thinking back, it was, you know, I used to paint my face half black overseas and that and then that the Native American warrior culture or even warrior culture where you know you look at guys World War One, World War II, guys are painting their face going into combat, right? Same thing you start researching back in Native American history and culture and like why guys would paint their face, you know, become visible to the enemy. And and there's there's talk about painting certain ways for courage and you know, the red handprint, you know, goes back to when you're coming back from war and it was, it was reserved. This is what's cool. That red, there's a red handprint one. There's some new meanings now that come from when you go way back. Um, It showed your, your uh, success in hand combat overseas. You know what I mean? Mm. And then a horse wearing it, a horse with a red handprint was only meant for the horse that was able to bring his rider back from war unharmed or alive. And there's just really cool. So there's so much cool meanings with that, you know, with, how they'd paint the first, you know, what markings they have on their horses and everything too. So kind of like the half face was, um, you know, the, just representing that warrior culture and Native American culture and Western culture. And it was also scary. You know what I mean? Like we can't shoot every bad guy. At least we can scare him a little bit. So I'd paint my face half black. And I even have drawings or initial half face drawings weren't vertical they were horizontal oh, wow. but it just never looked good yeah putting it on a knife you know what I mean right. and I want to use eagle feathers because the eagle feathers represent so much one eagle bald eagle as an American symbol and then the eagle feathers were met they were holy and they signified so many interesting things in the Native American culture as well so I gave them as eagle feathers gave him as mohawk because I just like that mohawk and the way guys would represent that that warrior culture from Native American to now, guys like again in World War II, the airborne guys were doing Mohawks and people. Yeah. I've seen the pictures you know, the other cool day stuff. for uh, D Day. People were posting yeah. pictures uh, of yeah. that. So, oh, yeah, man. just cool stuff. And that's the half face comes from that. It also comes from, you know, when you get to know somebody, who, you get to know all of them. But when you first meet people and everything, you only know half. You know, I mean? everybody has another side to it. And then, you know, thinking on that too, it was like speak softly and carry a big stick. Right, that's your other half, the big stick half. Yeah, that's you awesome. Know. So just a couple little uh, ideas behind it, dude. I love that. I love that. And but,
0: so it takes off. Like people want them, so you you sell out right away.
1: And yeah. You're like, oh so wow, the there's first, something here. Yeah, the first fifty was a lion, half a lion, spacing ah. and that was based on my dad was an artist, and he has a huge lion painting hanging in my mom's house, and what the lion represents, you know, uh, justice and pride and courage, and he's a protector of the land. You know that's what that line represented, and then the next one um, was was that the Indian. The next one, oh, I did a disaster June disaster breacher, called it, and it was half of Zeus. It was ah, Zeus's face, the half. Okay. And then the Indian, or the Indian might have been next. Then I did Zeus, and then the Karambit had a half a eagle. Okay. An face.
0: Yeah, I have the one. I still have this one. Has the has half face blaze. This yep. is a newer a newer version. Yep.
1: But, yeah, uh, so eventually, you know, I was like, man, I, I can't do a half a face, a half a new logo. <laughs> that's that's a lot of work so. and there's a
0: lot lot going on. Yeah. There's another one right there. So, yeah, these things are. But really what's crazy,
1: crazy is the first, you know, the most sought after, the most sought after are like those different faces. Yeah, right I bet. There. It's insane.
0: I'm going to go look for them You're after
1: right. this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's it's, you know, the, I think the last. Two series ones. I know somebody sold. They had like number eight and nine. They just sold them for thirty six thousand bucks. Whoa, dang, dude! So it's hard to find even a disaster original Zeus disaster. Yeah, it'd be hard to find one for under ten thousand dollars. That's awesome, dude! I'm yeah. fired up. I, I did. I did. I think three Damascus series ones or two. Mm-hmm. I have one. I sold one to a guy, <laughs> Kevin, and it was probably he probably bought it for five hundred bucks. Yeah, back in the day, maybe. Four hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, I think he just sold it twenty five thousand. Nice. do you (laughs) it,
0: man? Come on. A lot of these things. I mean, (laughs) hey, you know
1: what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll gain in value, you know. And what's what's so cool is is being able to do the custom. We do so much custom work that it the value is whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. Like I, I valued off of time and effort into it and material. Yeah, And I'll always value it that way. I'm not going to value a, me selling a knife off of what it's being sold in the secondary market. That's unfair. You know what I mean? But when somebody buys something for 350 bucks four years ago and it's worth 10 grand now, if they need that, that money, yeah. I'm like, Hey, it's a, to me, it's a tool. I'm not even a knife nerd. It's a tool to me. Um, I enjoy the craftsmanship. I want some quality out and custom to people and production, uh, amazing product for people for their mission and their walk in life. Yeah. Um, but it's so cool that secondary market seeing the value of things and what people buy and sell and trade and they yeah. have their favorites, and they collect their favorites and we take more custom orders when we can. Um, it's, I, I can't tell you how grateful and blessed, you know, as, as this has grown just insane amount. I hired my, my friends, I hired my buddy, um, uh, the guy, Ethan, my cousin that my mom's cousin that bought me the Navy SEAL workout book. He was living in Oregon, only working a couple of days a week. Like no money, uh, sleeping on his friend's floor, like just, and, and he was battling depression for like 20 years. I grew the business enough to move him down in with me to work in my shop, you know, and he, he ended up eventually i taken his life, um, cause he had battled really horrible depression for a really long time. And I battled that with him. Um, which that was just a, that was a really big hit. Uh, work, yeah. was in my shop working, finally got him working full time, got him a car and just uh, clinical depression, and I learned a lot about that. And Anyway, but that was like one of those accomplishments from that I was able to give back that I was like, sh- so cool, man, that he got me that Navy SEAL workout book. That was the first significance of like the first yeah. door of opening. And then coming out of that and using my experience from growing up, experiencing the SEAL teams, um, being an end user of knives to start this and then be able to hire him and bring him back back yeah. to me. And start you know life again like that so um I, I don't know man it's been it's been a cool journey and stoked
0: on it oh it's amazing I mean, so many people were introduced to the seal teams through uh books through a film and now today probably through an instagram account through a blade but, you know so podcast it's a, it's a podcast yeah it's it's a different as you know changing changing mediums but they still have that same result as opening that door like that book did for you and your knives yeah. really do that for, for people too. And they're so awesome. I mean, that's why they're in the, they're in my novels. Uh, yeah. that's why there's maybe Thank a you. character in Savage Sun, uh, you know, based <laughs> off someone on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and that's why I called so you good. like on this shirt, like this shirt yeah. right here. I remember I was, I called you and I'm like, cause I wanted, uh, I, I wanted the it. character to have a, uh, a shirt on. And I was like, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I had the significance, right. Of the Eagle feathers yeah. and, and all that sort of thing. So, uh, so that's in there in, in Savage Sun. So, uh, yeah, hopefully they'll do an Amazon series, get to season three oh, and they will get you back into film business. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, are you still I, I doing mean, that? Are you still, on, uh, are you still oh, yeah. doing stunts or acting or what is it? Yeah. So I've, I've been on Avatar two oh, and yeah, three right. since 2017. That is yeah. wild. So I've been working for Garrett Warren and Jim Cameron on that, which that's been so cool, man! Like the technology and that, and how they're filming is just so mind blowing. And Jim is their are like Jim is such a genius, man. The guy's incredible. Garrett, who's running it too, man—he does a stunt and all second unit. He so much of the directing of it—that's um, been rad, you know. Working with the actors, making sure their movement is good and stunt doubling some of them, and then doing stunts, making sure setting up the scenes, fast roping, patrolling, verbiage it's so much mil- The it, movies, so much military in it. So I've, I'm able to work hand in hand with him doing all that. And then he's like, well, if you're going to be here, I want you to play a role. So then I'm a, I'm a 10 foot tall, blue, bad, bad guy. That looks like me. In it. That is so wild, dude.
0: Oh man. I love it. I love it. And then, yeah. uh, some of the other stuff you're working on, it's not just the knives, it's weapons. So, uh, like right there, that thing, for people that can't a see it. Spike, that's yeah. an original
1: pneumo. That's awesome. That's pretty I've got sweet. so much cool little things too. It's Like we've got, we become so busy. And I have, you know, like two or three more knives. I'm trying to get going. And okay. we do those collaborations, which are yep. so rad. Here's but one. it's like I need a bigger shop and five more guys. So how
0: many people do you have now?
1: Twenty one. Dude, you got so
0: much going on. And when you put something up, I mean, I see it. It's going up, and then they're gone. It's gone. And yep. also, and, and if you don't put it up, if you get distracted by life for like an hour oh, or a day, they, people let you know. You're oh, like, they get mad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, they get so upset. They do. <laughs> and, and There's like, they were so upset because of cart sniping, right? It's like the biggest anger. Mo- what is that? What's cart these? sniping? It's when you put something in your cart, but also 500 other people do. It's uh-huh. whoever X out first. It takes it yeah. out of everyone's carts. You oh, know what I mean? And people get you mad. can't, even well, with hats, people,
0: people tell me about that. Like we put hats oh. up on the site and yeah. they're gone. And same thing. I didn't know it was called cart sniping, but that's cart uh,
1: sniping. And and here's the deal. If people are like, you should be able to hold it in a cart. Well, that that's completely unfair because you put four things in your cart, sir. You know what I mean? And you'd buy all four and now three other people are without. Yeah. You know what I mean? So one, it sucks. Yeah. Internet connection may be slower. Right. Something may happen when you're filling it out. You know what I mean? I get that. But it's it's the most fair way I can do it. Yeah. In that and yeah. even bigger, we contacted Shopify. They don't allow right cart holding. Yeah. Okay. So when I, you know, I, I got a thing you. from Shopify. <laughs> right. I'm You're like, hey, place. and I, I try to explain that every once in a while, you know, but I still get, you know, 30 or 40 DMs of anger toward me. <laughs> They're like, man, I'm we literally like, we literally work on everything all week. Every single thing we can get finished all yeah. week, I put on the site. Yeah. I don't have nothing left over.
0: It's amazing. It's so cool to see. And this one, we did this one. So this one went in seconds. So we did just a few of oh, these nuts. and that, we should have done, so, we we done, done 500. They would have been in five minutes. Yeah. We probably should have done 500 next time. Let's, let's, you know, let's do 500. Up, but, uh, so yeah. this, this is a sweet one so with the bone frog on there. There's no hunting like the hunting of man, which is a, a quote that I've used in, uh, in book three in savage son. You got the half face on there and, uh, the hunter skinner. Yeah, I love that. So this thing is, I love this blade.
1: This thing is yeah. so cool. Those are, I, I can't imagine what those are going on in the second, day market. Oh really? I've never even, I looked. bet five to 10 grand. Wow. Easily. That's amazing.
0: It's, it's beautiful. It's like of all the one, like yeah. everything you do, if you're, when I, when people ask me to, to describe you to them or your blades to them or whatever, you know, I, the first thing that comes to mind is, is like, is artist, um, you know, more so than, than knife maker, blade maker, you know, weapon maker, anything like that. Like, like artist is what, what comes yeah. to mind because these are tools that you can use uh, and use hard, but they're also, you know, works of art and they're, they're beautiful. Uh, this one right here, of that yep. thing. Little Fairburn Sykes, There's probably not many of those
1: out. Yeah, there. I need to do more, man. I so, haven't in a while. Yeah. There's I that. lot of those.
0: And then uh people always ask me about this because I post it all the time with my, my EDC or whatever. Um, so this one right here. Uh, uh, yeah. So you're not this is the a crow folder, right?
1: Yeah. So the crow crow folder disaster folder. Um, I'll do them again. Uh the last ones I've been doing, the last folders were the spouse, the subhuman piece of yeah, I shit saw that. That was folder. pretty sweet. Yeah. The two, two runs of that. And then I'm working on the the Brad Kavner folder Oh, nice! uh, as well. And then what I, what I'm doing with another guy, he's a little, he's a wizard. He's been helping me with all my CNC stuff and programming. And he's still in uh, recon dude and his buddies in Ohio are working on making the and we're going to make those again, but single frame. So not two sides. So it's all one piece.
0: Okay. Okay. So it's
1: really Benchmade makes one. It's a single piece of titanium, and so it's doable. It just takes really engineer my head, some really expensive CNCs. Yeah. So it's taking a tube, tube of titanium. It cuts it, does all the slots, takes it off, and then it grinds in the middle of it, and it grinds out the center. So it's all one piece. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and then they, then you cold press the pivot into the blade and into it, into the piece. So the actual pivot turns with the blade. So there's no movement less parts it's it's like incredible so Dude. we've been working on that and we're hoping the end of the year we'll have the shpo- first version of the spouse done that's a single frame titanium frame that's awesome i want one of those we'll for those sure ones. so before someone yeah, carp snipes snipes me i need to just hit me. yeah i got you on that list <laughs>
0: thank you, you know. thank you and right there i don't know if people can see that like that detail there it so says a feather right there yeah in that clip so just awesome, man! Love all this stuff. I at, at first, I was like, "Man, I'm gonna get everything that uh that Beto puts out," and then I'm like, "Oh, that would be <laughs> impossible. <laughs> I, I couldn't, you couldn't do it." There's so much cool stuff coming out, and I do have. I hope I have a tomahawk coming soon from you. Uh, and uh, also, I'm gonna have to add to my list. So I had the the tomahawk yep. that you're making because I I can't believe I don't have one already it's been a busy couple of years yeah. Um, yeah so that one is coming and then i need to do a full on uh chef knife set steak knife yeah. set the kind like we did for um yep. for al alec wolf uh
1: from zev okay. technologies the one we did for his wedding yep. um yeah that was you let me sweet. know that was awesome we'll, we'll pick what knives you want in it and then you tell me what handle materials and we'll uh we we'll get it on the, on the table. That was pretty cool. You know? Like that one, like everything, yeah. the cleaver and rad. like that,
0: every, that chef knife, all that stuff. And then the matching steak knives, it was in that leather, like rollout thing. Yep. Like that was,
1: yeah, that was pretty legit. That turned out really nice
0: oh, man. And uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm, I want, I would, I need to get out there to see you. I want you to come out here. I tried to pull you out here
1: uh, to come move the whole shop out to park city. Um, oh man. I look all this. I look and you know, you know, where Ogden is yep. north and then north of that, there's another small town up against the hills. I was just looking there and east into the mountains, all the way over to that lake. That's like super blue. Okay. Out there's of A few bear up there. Bear, bear lake yeah, yeah. or something like that. Right. Right. The mountains in between there are so yeah. incredible. I flew over there the other day, flying to Montana. Oh, nice. And I was like, I just want to skydive out and go find some land. It's beautiful. A lot so of incredible. great elk up there.
0: It's incredible. Yeah. That country's amazing.
1: I'll get out and I, you know, with growth, last year it grew like 70% or so. This year, you know, I'm hoping to grow 30 to 40%. It, it'd be a mistake to move right now. You know, I have a lot of my buddies I've hired that live here and right, that's tough. Grew up here and it's, you know, I'm I not gonna I pull the rug out under them like that. It cost me so much and, you know, I don't wanna cost jobs either. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the best things I can do is I can change my state, you know, personally and come back and forth. And then eventually I would move the production first. first, you know, but that's, it is what it is, man. You know, it's, that's what it is.
0: Yeah, man. Oh, love to have you out here. Um, and then also th- I want to thank you for, so in the second, not just your knives are in the the novels, but I mean you've influenced them in, in so many different ways uh, to include reaching out to Brad Kavner's family to ask if I could use that quote. In the second novel, um, So I wanted to have their their blessing before I put that in there. So, um, so thank you for for doing that. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for everything you've done for me and my family, also um, personally. <laughs> I and, always love and, you uh, and support you, dude. Prefer, oh, man, appreciate everything. And uh, when you're talking to guys, I know a lot of guys are uh, you know reach out to you about getting out, transition, um, and that sort of thing. What do you uh, what do you tell guys as they're thinking about getting out or making making that move? Into the private sector because I get that question quite a bit. Um, and what do you what do you tell people? I don't know. That's a tough one, man. I, you
1: know, because you me, seem to have
0: done it for you. Like from look at the outside looking in, yeah. I see someone who has uh, had a had a had a mission and a passion and combined the two. And and yeah. uh, you did it in your space. And uh, I do that same thing. I have my mission is taking care of my family. My passion is writing. I combine those two things right. moving forward. Uh, and so there's certain people you can you can point to that do things that are that are different. And, uh, that, yeah. that find that mission, find that passion, combine them, drive forward and are in, in inspiration to others. And there is yeah. no doubt you lead that pack. And it's so cool, um, that you, you found those things and that you made this transition and that you're moving the ball forward in such a positive way. Um, it, it fires me up, man.
1: I think it, I think that's hard because I think that it, it's like, I think it's tough for guys to ever find something again that they wanted to do so bad. And so such a zealousy for and a drive for as being in the SEAL teams, right? And also being around your buddies. So guys are get now, It's like, you know, it's almost like that kid out of high school who hasn't figured out what he wants to do for college mm-hmm. in my mind. You know, it's like, what's going to give me so much that drive? I don't know if guys will ever find it again. They'll ever find that same drive and that same desire and that same... Mm, that you would want to be a SEAL and become a SEAL mm-hmm. in the outside world. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think guys in general end up being pretty successful going back to school. I think that civilian life is a whole lot tougher than than guys getting out think because yeah. they've been such structure. And you know that if you do this and this and this LPO slot, that you can get E7. And, and that is such a blessing. You don't realize the structure and environment you're in it, in the military. You may not get paid the best. It's, is mind-blowingly less stressful. <laughs> and when guys, it, it, yeah. when you get out, especially like, I'm not married, I don't have kids, like that's a was a blessing on its own where I could work under the awning in my backyard with a grinder and not make any money for a year. You know yeah. what I mean? Move some movie stuff and then my, my uh, disability. But that's a whole lot of pressure when you have a wife and kids too. And it's like, man, I better at least start school to get that BAH. but man, what do I want to take in school? Um I know guys are really, you know, a lot of guys try to get into the movie industry up there and that's not the easiest industry to, to do by all means yeah. to actually be successful at. I think, I think that's a really tough one, man. I, I want people to find that, that job or that, what they want to do and crush it. Um, I think it takes the same determination, you know, um, to not get bogged down by civilian life and pressure and, and um, the depression and all the crap that we deal with as a civilian uh, bogged down by that and just keep driving forward, whatever it is, you know, that's a, There's I'm a always willing to help, help people, you know, guys have aspirations of, Hey, I want to do a clothing company. And it's like, Hey, rock and roll. But let that's that. You got to think here's, here's one of the biggest things. Here's actually what I would give information if it's easy to do then there's then it's way way more people doing it it's gonna be 10 times harder to be successful at it Mm -hmm. you know the black rifle guys got in when and black coffees you could hire somebody white label roast your medium put it in a bag give them the label and they send you the bags to sell like that's called easy those guys got in now they do their own beans like they had bought their own land like they crushed they got it at the right time and they had they got that that it was niche then if it's not niche don't do it unless you've got some magic you know what i mean that it's different you know and i've even seen this with knife making the last three years like i every other person i see now is like i'm gonna be a knife maker i'm like they more power to you but just because it looks right. successful you know doesn't it, it, it's it's yeah. tough. Like, so it looks good on Instagram. In late, yeah,
0: exactly. There's so right. many more it's now. A, it's, 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 yeah, it look is it's amazing.
1: Look at um, CrossFit. In the very beginning, if you started a gym, you would have crushed it. Yeah. You start a gym half a third too late, like that, that's that gone. Right. You know, like if it's if it's really easy to do, be careful because you're going to be up against so many more people doing it. Yeah. No, very true. Or you just got to make it different somehow or better. Yep. No, very you know, true. And so you've done, good, I mean, good yeah. things take time.
0: Yeah. I mean, you've done, I mean, obviously when you see one of your knives, you know, it's your knife. That's so, that's what's also, yeah. what's so cool about it. You know, like you can identify it just by looking like, I know who made that knife and that, yeah. that's pretty sweet, but yeah, there's so many more people getting into it. I try to support, you know, tons of, uh, or as many as I can, you know, better known businesses starting out. I love, love doing that. You know, uh, like Rob Smith, when we started Resco watches, I, I bought a watch before yeah. it even before he had made one watch. Like I just, I did, that's I cool. did that just so I could help out a little bit. And I love that he had found his passion and, you know, moving on to do that because I yeah. love when team guys find that thing and they, and they crush it on the outside. Like I am that. Yeah. I love that. Even when I was in, uh, like I try to help good guys, whether they were staying in or yep. if they were getting out, you know, I'd help both of them. Yep. Uh, they were good dudes. And uh, I always buy
1: something, yep. you know what I mean? I you, know, I, you know, I get hit up all the time. Like, Hey, uh, I'd love to send you a shirt. Love to send you something, you know, we're a veteran of business. I'm like, Hey man, first, First rule, you can't make a living, you can't pay bills by giving stuff away for free. Huh, interesting. So I'm more than happy to pay and I'll gladly buy some shirts to support, but I don't want anything for free. Interesting. You know? Yeah. And that's how it should be when, when a veteran starts a business, his friends should want to pay. When anybody starts a business, your friends should be the first ones that want to pay full price to get you going and get you off your feet.
0: Uh, it's so awesome, I'm so glad you said that, but I'm not thinking back in my head, I'm like, thank goodness I told Beto years ago to charge me full price. So I remember I did like five years ago or six years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's cool. You know, I, you know, we, we do so much for charities, right? Through Half Face now. And like, in the beginning, it was it was a little hard. You know, it was like, hey, one knife is paying for a steal. And I can really see that now. Now we're able to do so much more and raise so much money, which is cool. But I got really, you know, turned off in the beginning because every other day I'd get out by charities for free knives. And I'm like, right. dude, I'm 10 years in, 100% dis- disabled veteran, starting my own little veteran business. And every other day. Yeah, yeah. I'd get hit up for free stuff. And I was like, I'd never make I'd never be able to like, who cares about the the guy who's only done 10 years, who you know what I mean, He's trying to start a business, nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it yeah. got to a point where I was like, I was giving foundations 40% off. Yeah. You know, and now we've got to put we're able to help more. But now I really like to focus on I'll pick two or three that I really want to make a big difference in instead of I know it sucks, like it wears on my heart when I'm trying to like. You know, give a yeah, yeah. hundred bucks here, five hundred there, you know, yeah. and we try to do as much as possible, but I do really like lot. taking it that I'm able to do more for. Yeah. You
0: know, and that's no, you do you do a ton uh for everybody, whether it's directly or indirectly, just through, you know, being you. Um and before we take off, before I let you go make my uh tomahawk and uh my new kitchen set. Um talk about uh kill bad guys. Is that what's going on with yeah. that? Kill bad dudes.
1: Kill bad dudes. Um it just I started that, you know, on the side, kind of for fun, to, to, give a, give part of it away. So I gave forty nine percent of away between Kelsey, who's who's my girlfriend, been with me for a long time, helping run this business. She crushes it, and you know, four other guys that uh, have been here in my shop. Three of which since the beginning, since close to the beginning, helping me build Half Face and a couple other team guys. Nice. Um, gave the rest that all the way and just kind of still something on the side guys can help out. We can come together, come up with good little ideas, little fun things, no stress at all. When we get enough stuff together, take pictures, put it on the website, let it go. There you you go. know what I mean? So that's kind of grown. It's small. It's kind of fun uh, with the connections I have with LBT and stuff like that, being able to do collaboration bags and backpacks and little stuff like that. And with half face, we're able to do little collaboration knives or spikes and, um, it's just a little side project, and I wanted that to grow so I could do something for for my friends here that also have been a huge part of half face that don't have ownership. and I All wanted right. them to have ownership of this, grow it, you know, let's let's say once a you know, maybe it makes a couple hundred grand a year and we're able to you know give bonuses to everybody, and it's that extra little bit, right? So oh
0: man, that is awesome. And people can find you spec operator on Instagram. Half Face Blades Instagram and Kill Bad Dudes yep. on Instagram.
1: Yep, uh, we KBD. We KBD. And then that's I'm, it. you know, Ryan Bates and me started uh, and Johnny uh, Canoe Club USA. Okay, so, so that's our ammo company out of Vegas.
0: Oh, nice. Okay, I guess I didn't realize that was uh awesome. Yep.
1: Awesome. Okay. And then, even better. This is a, I've been working. I've been wanting to do this a long time. I've been working on it. How I want to do it. They had the name for a long time, uh, and I finally. Connected with my wife from where I'm from, and I like wine a lot. Um, I connected with the guy G.W. who is a few grades behind me in high school. I joined the army, is out now. It's back up in Napa Valley. He makes his own wine. It's, he's a winemaker, so I've reconnected with him. So I'm working on my wine now. So I've just got my winery license. I've done the co- contract with the winery. I'm going to be making my wine. Nice. Uh, Tuck, you know Tuck Beckstoffer. Been yeah. talking to him about getting grapes. From him for my cab, well, doesn't get any better than that, <laughs> right, and then uh I'm getting my Pinot grapes up in Anderson Valley and a little five acre vineyard up on this hill. It's like the perfect area, and then I have another uh white wine i'm I've just been talking to the vineyards to get that, nice. so i'm i'm I've started the Instagram for that i'm gonna What's it up, called? it's gold it's warpaw wines war what like a warpaw warpaw like a wines, friend. I love it yeah. That is so awesome. The, the logo is a red handprint, and it'll be embossed and raised. And beneath it, I have four symbols that represent life to me. And it's a lot, little lion and it's based on my dad's painting. Same thing that represents the protection and justice and courage and all that. And then there's three arrows because my dad and my two brothers died when I was seven in an airplane clash in Alaska. And it's three arrows uh, and then a trident little trident spear that represents, you know, mm-hmm. uh, my life there. And then American flag that was just the Patriots, and the justice, what we know is American, what we love. And it's four little, we'll probably do little gold logos on the bottom of the label. And then the big red handprint is the main one.
0: Dude.
1: I love it. I love so it. I'm going to follow it right now. I
0: didn't realize it was up and running. So I'm glad we do yeah. this podcast. So uh, yeah. that is awesome. Warpaw wines. That is yep. epic. I'm going to have to, uh, that's a reason to go to California because it's hard to get stuff in Utah
1: you know, there's a crazy oh, Utah yeah. laws,
0: So I'll have so to so just uh, drive, it up, drive it up to perfect. you. Know? <laughs> perfect. Well,
1: you know, once, once I have the wine, you know, it, it takes a bit of time Um and I can actually ship it. You can order off the site eventually. Perfect. Oh man. Right now I'm in the stage of the label layouts done and it's, it's now I'm working with the coloring and how I want to emboss and the hand being textured and raised and, and uh, it's pretty cool. And I've wanted to, and for so long, I mean, I have, I have cab grapes tattooed down my arm with some Petit Verdot and kind of an ode to where I'm from in Napa Valley and lots of friends in the industry and be able to reconnect with him. And he's a veteran. Nice. To work with him on growing this is really cool. He has his own wine that's so incredible. He's amazing. Uh, uh, Lucier Wines. Lucier. Um, okay. Yep. L-U-S-S-I-E-R-ish. I have I it on my on yeah. my warpod thing. I, I put his okay. stuff, his information too. Um, really incredible, man. I just like, I like working with my hands, like, creating right, obviously, and I like a good glass of wine too. So. Oh yeah,
0: as do I. So I will no. be I uh, will be partaking hopefully <laughs> hopefully soon. I'll be following along the yeah. journey. Oh man. Absolutely. Dude, awesome. I'm so fired up for everything you have going on. I love that entrepreneurial Thanks. spirit. I love that you're out yeah. there crushing it uh, in the way that you do each and every day. And for those listening also, is there a day that you drop? Is it Fridays that you drop knives? Or what? You
1: know, I, w- I was dropping Friday, but I realized that we've tried to rush on Fridays. And if we need Friday evening or Saturday morning to continue to work, then actually that's why I switched it to Saturday at noon. Okay. In general, that's in general. I usually I'll state it if it's going to be a different time or a week or whatever, I'll, uh, usually put it on social media, what that is, but generally it's uh, Saturday at 12 PM PST. Okay. Right. Put all the knives up, but again, be quick. gotta be it's, quick. It's a matter of three to four minutes and three to 400 are gone. So pays to be a winner does get you make sure your internet connection's fast <laughs> so awesome so awesome you know we we do take custom orders but i mean it's such an it, it got to such an insane amount of people yeah. on the customers list that i felt bad adding people and having like a two-year wait right. so i was just like books are closed till we get that down they can take some more orders yeah you know oh man i shouldn't have said anything about my hawk and my uh you've like, i mean you've been on that <laughs> list for so long though no, i mean oh thanks it, brother awesome good.
0: Oh man. Well, dude, thank you so much for taking this time today. I mean, I know you got knives to build and people to manage and multiple companies to run. Uh, so I sincerely yeah. appreciate you sitting down and, uh, absolutely, and, buddy. Dude, thanks for everything, uh, personal and professional. And hopefully I'll see you soon, maybe craft a blade or two and then, uh, try some of that
1: wine. Absolutely, buddy. We'll have some this fall and I appreciate everything. I miss seeing you I miss being able to talk to you. Uh, maybe we'll see you out at Frank's. Yep.
0: Uh, yeah, I think so. I was just going to text him back about that. Uh, we have to take a little helicopter ride in there to get there. Cause, uh, we're doing something oh, really? else then. Yeah. So we're, uh, we're, we're cool. indisposed, but, uh, I think we're getting a, we're, we might drop in, we might drop in. So uh, we'll I see. hope you
1: do. Cause I'm planning on flying out there for that. Nice.
0: Nice. And I'll see you, uh, maybe see, see you in a couple weeks.
1: Awesome. All right, brother.
0: Love you, man. Awesome. Love you too, brother. Take care. See you soon. Just want to take a moment and thank Navy Federal Credit Union for sponsoring the podcast and for being a part of my journey throughout the military and today. Right there, that's my Navy Federal cue card that I got in 1996, right after boot camp. So for those 20 years I was in the military, Navy Federal was right there with me. What I found out recently is that you do not have to be a member of the military to go to NavyFederal.org, check it out, and become member. So check it out, Navyfederal.org. Thank you guys so much again for sponsoring the podcast and for taking such good care of me and my family over the last 20 years in the military and today. I know I'm not the only one looking for healthy snacks for me and my family, especially after a very busy 2021, as we move into 2022, and if you've been following me, you know I'm looking forward to figuring out a schedule where I'm getting a little more sleep, where I'm getting some exercise, and where I am eating right, and that is where Paleo Valley comes in. Check them out, paleovalley.com, and you can use Danger Close 15 at checkout for 15% off your order. Now, this stuff is awesome. Paleo Valley, uh, how do I know It's awesome because I just crushed a few of these beef sticks and these things are awesome. There's all sorts of different flavors, jalapeno, original, teriyaki, summer sausage, garlic summer sausage, and they are awesome. So Paleo Valley, thank you so much for sending these out to me. Uh, And for those that are wondering, these beef sticks are 100% grass-fed and grass-finished. Many on the market claim to be grass-fed, but actually are finished on grains. And they use beef sourced from small domestic farms in the US. This is a family-owned company, very small family-owned company. So they're making sure they do it right, that they are not cutting corners. They're prioritizing health over profit and uh, just an awesome group of people. What else do they send me here? I have these superfood bars here with grass-fed bone broth proteins, and there's all sorts of flavors here too. Pumpkin spice. How did you guys know? Awesome, dark chocolate chip. <laughs> I'm gonna crush those. Lemon meringue and apple cinnamon. Uh, all sorts of supplements out there. So be sure to go check out paleovalley.com. Enter clo- code danger close fifteen for that fifteen percent off your order. Once again, it's a hundred percent grass-fed beef with higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, vitamins and minerals, and bioavailable protein. So thank you so much. I am fired up to get move into 2022 here, and uh, this will be a part of my journey. And look at this one right here. Uh, Organic super greens. Oh yeah. I am all over that. So check them out, paleovalley.com. Danger Close 15 at checkout for 50% off that order. What am I going to talk about today? Well- because I had Andrew Arabido on the podcast, I'm gonna talk about these blades right here. So this is the one, this is the Hunter Skinner right here. And this is the one we did a limited edition run of. And I couldn't believe when Beto told me on the podcast, how much these are going for on the secondary market, um, makes me think we should have made a couple more, but, uh, yeah, awesome. There's no hunting like the hunting of man. It says down the spine right there. And, uh, love these things. Beto has been a dear friend for a long time. And if you followed me for a while, you know, I, uh, fancy myself a bit of a knife connoisseur and i just always have been since my earliest days i've just always been drawn to the blade so um this is pretty cool this is the crow right here um put a trident in there for me and uh yeah these things are just amazing if you don't have one you definitely need to be checking these out if you're a blade person and uh especially you know such a good dude um, I just love supporting good guys with uh, with companies coming out of the military and following that uh, that next passion in life there's a hunter Skinner here as well uh, you can't go too far in this house without tripping over a half- face blade that's just uh, just how it is so once again karambito right there another karambito because you can't have too many of these obviously I think so and uh, and this is the Fairburn Sykes uh inspired blade right here obviously uh, an important heritage when we're talking about special operations and blades um and uh, of course right here the uh folder so I get asked about that quite a bit and uh yeah this is a sweet folder and andrew said he's gonna make some more of these so beto i'm looking forward to the next iteration of this blade right here so awesome and uh gosh i i should have uh i could probably go dig up a few more around here but i'm also looking forward to that hawk cannot believe that i do not have a uh, tomahawk from veto but uh, that is coming soon and uh that's a, a one-off that uh that i uh, with the materials that i wanted him to use on that so super fired up for that and then at some point here in the future uh i'll be getting that uh full-on kitchen set full-on steak knife set uh from veto as well so uh as you can tell I'm a fan. Check them out. You can find Andrew Arabito at Half Face Blades on Instagram and WeKBD on Instagram and Spec Operator on Instagram and Warpaw Wines on Instagram. And if you like what you heard, be sure to leave a rating and review on Amazon, Spotify. Check it out on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. Sincerely appreciate it. Help uh, beat some of those big tech algorithms. So until the next time, take care out there, be strong, keep fighting. In case you missed it on a recent episode of Danger Close, an Ironclad original. Jack Carr sat down with former presidential candidate, Tulsi Gabbard.
1: Set aside all the labels, mm.
0: you know, oh, well, because i have been getting asked this a lot, like, well, are you left or are you right? Are you progressive? Are you conservative? A are you... box you fit in. Which exactly, box do you check? Completely. Are you an enemy I, or... Right, right. No. How, like, what filter should I use when I'm looking at you? And, like, I've always been an independent-minded person. Mm. Always. Be sure to check out the full interview wherever you get your podcasts.